0: Father God, we're here this afternoon to discuss how to make our churches stronger in the sense of keeping people once they join our, our church community. Lord, we need wisdom from you. We want the peace and the joy and the assurance that we are doing what we can to make the church what it needs to be so that people can remain therein. Lord, bless us as we discuss this afternoon, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I ask just
1: one question? Absolutely. Would this be applied to, let's say, you already have existing members for some reason, they've been members for a long time, and they're not coming? with this
0: That's what we're talking about.
1: Because I was thinking maybe like new members that come in and are missing.
0: So as you know, it is written as an evangelism ministry, right? We love to see people join the Seventh day Adventist Church. But as we've gone around and done evangelism in different places, including other countries of the world, we've observed that people come in, but then if you come back in three to five years. They're what? They're gone, okay. Where did they go? Where did they go? And so that's what we want to talk about a little this week is what can we do in our churches to try to keep that from happening? Um, And I'm sure that each of you, and I'll give you an opportunity in a few moments here to kind of share some story you may have. We don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but maybe just a few things of what happens in your church, what you've observed, why do you think, people leave your church. And then of course that's what we're going to talk about today is why people leave the church. That's what we're going to talk about today. Tomorrow we're going to turn quite a bit more positive. How do we we create an environment within our church where people want to be part of it on an ongoing basis? What are some of the ingredients that your church needs so that people want to continue to be part of it? What do they need to be a continuing part of your church, and so on. So I'd like to start today with just a little story. Um, so today our title really is An Honest Look at What's Happening. And we're going to look at some Adventist statistics of church retention and so on. And the question, of course, we wonder about is have we left the back door open sometimes? We bring people in, but then what happens that they slip away so quickly? Um, And I think most of us are aware that one of the groups of people that regularly slip away are our young people. Young professionals, young other ways. And those people often slip away fairly, fairly quickly. So I'd like to share with you just a little bit about One story, we're calling her Jane, it's not her real name. She was a graduate of an Adventist college. She'd been very active in outreach ministries at college and and through her, her teen youth experience. However, when she moved to a new area, she and her new husband struggled to find a church that they could meaningfully participate in. They often found the sermons lacking in spirit, and content, and the outreach of the church minimal. When they finally found a church, they tried to launch a group of collegiate young adults, young people like themselves. And that, of course, didn't go very far. They then tried leading a ministry of Sabbath potlucks. They would help coordinate the Sabbath potlucks. And not only did people not support them and commit to helping them in that, but sometimes people would come behind them and fix the tables and organize (laughs) things as they should be done, right? And of course they realized that they weren't seen as doing it right. Finally, when the pastor preached one Sabbath on the chiastic structure of the book of Ruth, they decided that they weren't going to keep trying any longer. In other words, the chiastic structure of the book of Ruth didn't seem very edifying, right? Didn't seem very helpful. Um, So they ended up in a non-denominational church. And now here are her words. In conclusion, she says, I probably will always have a soft spot in my heart for the SDA church. It gave me my foundation in Christ, provided many wonderful memories. I even met my husband through it. It's very much a part of who I am. I know we are where we're supposed to be now, though. Ultimately, everything goes back to my two must-haves. So here's this young ex-Adventist saying what her two must-haves are. An outward focus in other words an evangelistic focus we uh, reason to be and an outward focus and an environment in place to welcome unsaved people in my experience that's very hard to find in the SDA church please don't say amen And that story is online if you wish to find it. So what are some of your stories? And what do you think are some of the reasons that people may slip away and no longer be part of your church?
1: Yeah. Um, We had a new member that started coming in, so she was a greeter. And granted, she wore wore makeup than one person. And then somebody called and said, you shouldn't be a greeter because you're wearing too much makeup.
0: So a greeter that wore a little too much makeup and a church member, very, very lovingly, I'm sure, called and said, you know, really, that's Mm -hmm. not what you should be doing here. This job doesn't belong to someone who appears like you do. Right. Yeah. Okay. Someone else. Yes. What
2: I've noticed is um, the new believer's struggling how to take Adventist lifestyle into their okay. busy life. Okay. I mean, we struggle with that. Right. But it's like they face this challenge instantly, and many times their families and everything are contrary, and they end up getting sucked back in with their old group of
0: friends. So for the recording, we'll say what you said is that New converts struggle with the lifestyle changes, and especially those outside influences, previous influences that tend to keep them where they were before. And it makes and real. If
2: you add to that, there's many times lack of something to do, lack
0: of. Inside the church.
2: In, in the church ah, the church. now we're on a different subject. It an aging church. So they weren't. You
0: know, the young people come in. So you're saying we're not,
2: we're not ready yet, and you know, be the kind. Of move.
0: And we're not quick to give them assignments, give them responsibilities, like the potluck part here.
2: Or else we dump everything on. Yes.
0: One extreme or the other. Yeah. Or we put them on the church board where they hear all of the whatever that. Yes. Okay. Any other thoughts?
1: Divorce. Ah. Uh, I
0: personally, I guess, I'm just... Yes? it so the
2: lack of friendship. I and, mean, and yeah, right. you know, you go where you're appreciated, appreciating love. Mm-hmm. You know, how many times do you take time to
3: spend time with the, the new or even existing church? Right.
0: Okay, I'm trying to get the recording. So we mentioned divorce as one reason, and the problem with divorce and the church is that church members sort of feel like they have to take a side, not that they're taking a side, but they tend to be friendly with one party more than the other, and so it kind of is interpreted that way. And then you were saying that we, I missed it already, lack of of friendship, Friendship. lack of friendship. We're not really, well, and we can be cliquish. Yes. You know, we have our friends, and we're happy to talk to them, but... If you're not one of my friends, then you wait.
3: Yeah, that is that long.
0: We're gonna get there. Well, I
2: think sometimes they lack how they fit into the church. It's like the church doesn't recognize their gift, and they don't know. Them. And okay. So they just kind of drift around,
0: and what they've made a real deep. Sometimes to try just, to. So, to try to summarize, maybe what you're saying is sometimes we don't identify their spiritual gifts and tap into those, ask them to use those, well, and encourage them to use those well, both ways. To
2: what the needs in the yes. To the
0: Absolutely. Okay. And somebody else, there was another hand here. Yes. Sorry.
3: When it comes to evangelistic meetings, there are times when,
2: with married couples, one comes forward and is baptized, and the other one maybe didn't even come to the meeting. That can be a real, real story. The devil uses that all too often to me.
0: So, a call to the church again to be even more supportive of that where one spouse has become a member and the other spouse didn't for whatever the reasons behind that. Yes?
2: I don't really feel like Satan's super particular on how he allows people to walk out the back door of our church, but I really truly believe that a good reason why it happens is rooted in our own spiritual walk, that we are not grounded in praying and Bible study, and we can't love people... That are coming into our church if we don't have the love of Christ in our church in ourselves, if we're not strong and feeding ourselves spiritually, there's no way that we can we can't be prepared for all the different ways and avenues that Satan will attack our church and the new members coming in. There's no way to prepare for that other than to start preparing ourselves to reach them by reaching inward and growing.
0: So, the comment is that we need to be strong spiritually to have that connection with Jesus ourselves so that we can develop that welcoming, warm uh, relationship within the church that people need and recognize spiritual needs as well as spiritual gifts that we've yeah, talked I about. That
2: the people leave our church starts with me.
0: Thank you.
1: I heard I mentioned divorce and you know, people taking sides. And there's a situation where one spouse will leave because the other spouse is going to the same you know, in the church and they don't want to go to that same church, so they go, they leave and they go to a totally you know, a different one.
0: Yep, yep. So there are lots of reasons. So let's look at the studies a little bit as to what they find from research as to why people leave the church. And we've hit a lot of these already. So firstly, we'd like to say, as we have said, that there's really no one reason, obviously, that, that this happens. But there are many reasons. So it's really a journey. And for many people and most people, we're talking about Adventist churches now. Most people don't leave the Adventist church by choice. Most don't leave by choice. We'll look at that in just a moment. Um, So we've talked a little bit and we could mention names of people that have left the church that we we each know and so on. Um, And maybe we'll just go over this little activity um, because we've done it kind of in a general way. Now we're not trying, of course, to judge or critique anyone in anything we've said here. Um, So, for every 100 new members gained into the Seventh day Adventist Church. Or statistically, forty-nine eventually leave the church. So that's that's a stern statistic. In other words, if you sit in this meeting tonight in the main auditorium, I don't know how many will be there. Let's just say there's a thousand there. Let's just suppose, and they're all Adventists. Let's just suppose. They're not, but let's just suppose a thousand we can presume that 10, 20 years from now, 49%, 4,900 of those people will no longer even be active Adventists. What should that do? Back now to the spiritual. That should drive us to our knees, shouldn't it? And also it should be a warning to us because you or I, we could be one of those people. And what can we do to keep that from being, being us, keep that from happening to us? Amazing statistic, yes.
3: I was one of the people who had left the church.
0: Right. Okay.
3: And made my journey full circle back around to the church. Amen. The biggest problem a person has in their journeys is, is an attack and statement, Satan convincing them. We as a church, we might make a mistake and just say something, smile different, not smile at someone. It could be something so subtle and so small that the church members don't even recognize they're doing this. What the person who's having this journey needs to come to Christ and let Christ dwell in their heart. That's also. right. Mm-hmm. Because the person leaving the church many times is struggling with. A walk with Christ, not necessarily the walk with the church, and they need to be encouraged. I've been through that before. We need to share our experiences and our what God wants us to do is to share our witness, our experience, what God's brought us through. Yes, to help someone who's struggling because we all struggle, we You're- all have that same battle
0: you're kind of getting ahead of us but but that's that's very good and you're no you're exactly on point the problem is that generally speaking people who leave the church no one's talking to them
3: no one's right
0: talking to them no that's the issue yes. yes that's the issue no one's talking to them they just sort of slip yeah. away and disappear, disappear. yes
1: and that's why i feel it's important for everybody
3: who's in the church to belong to a Sabbath school class, Mm -hmm. and the Sabbath school members will notice when someone's not coming consistently, for that's the ideal. Yes. And when they (laughs) notice
1: that someone's not coming, they can call. I did an experiment once. I uh, decided, come this summer,
3: I'm just going to visit some other churches. Well, I wound up being away for six months, and nobody
0: called me. Yeah.
2: Yep.
3: And,
2: and I'm, you know,
0: a visible person in the church. I'm, not sure, a, I'm sure. not sitting in a car. Yep. And I thought, okay, that's, that's a great revelation. Mm-hmm. Know, nobody yeah. is paying attention. Well, my story on that is when I was pastoring in a certain part of Michigan, not where any of you attend perhaps, um, I was ignorant as a pastor. I only... You they gave me this church list of names, right church members we called them, yep. and I just started visiting those people and i didn 't know that a third half of them really <laughs> hadn 't been in the church for a while and um, so I went and I went and I went to this one young man, and his name was similar to a lot of people in the church. It was very interesting, same last name as several people in the church. Mm-hmm. And so finally I I found him one day and he lived in a lovely little country hideaway, so to speak. Not that he was that, but he just he worked for one of the people of the church and so on. And as I chatted with him and just told him I was his pastor and I hadn't seen him at church in a while, and I was just curious, you know, how he was doing I felt a responsibility for him as his pastor. Even though he wasn't attending, I'm still responsible. And invited him, of course, to become part of us again. And almost in tears, he said to me, I don't get it. He said, and and remember, his family's in the church. Family members are members of the church. He said, nobody in nearly 20 years He said, has ever talked to me about missing me, that I'm not there anymore, and that they would love to have me back, and so on. Now, I understand the family thing sometimes doesn't work so well, and we all understand that, or should. Sometimes it comes better from someone who's not part of the family, and that's okay. But my point is, how could that happen in a relatively large Adventist church that somebody who's even on the books and so we know their name, we know their address, we know their phone number, we know their age, we know a lot about this person, but nobody somehow took the individual responsibility right. to do something.
1: They just assume, like, I'm assuming it's you calling, and we assume, and then nobody's doing
0: it. And we assume that they didn't come because they didn't want to or they didn't whatever so let's go then to our next thing so 49 out of 100 of us statistically will leave this message we got to pray about that before we part
2: really only refer to the new rather than any way i'm reading
0: it yes i guess you could say it that way but really it's the same but Because we were a new member once, too. So, technically, you're right. Um, So, here's another way you can look at it, then. Out of existing members, this would be, I guess, if you counted us here today, you know, one in three of us is likely to leave. These, by the way, are statistics from NAD. This was given in an NAD report for studies they were able to do for 2013 to 2015. This is our church. Now, if you bring it down to young adults, it becomes even more. And that is 70% of our young adults nationwide are leaving our church. Do you think it's relevant?
2: Ah, it's My very relevant.
0: Sat in the church yes. And and said, What am I sitting here for? Because it's like, This is just. And especially. And,
2: and I was a young adult and I came into the church and I went off to join the military and nobody came.
0: Up. And what I find we tend to do is we say to our young people, You're the church of the future.
1: Yeah. Let them do something.
0: You're the church of the future. It's our church now. It's our church now, but in the future it'll be, well, when is that future? How old does a young person need to be to take some responsibility? Now, of course, it depends on what it is, but we do need to get them involved, and we're going we're to get to that. So the real question then is, have we really left the back door and the side door, and the other door wide open. Yes? I
2: about the young people when they hit college age and they leave where they're up, <coughs> You're not expecting them that church is going but so are they connected with the
0: church where they went to and then i yeah. trying the to help them connect with that? <laughs> and then, of course, realistically, we understand. My son and daughter-in-law just went through this where they took a job in a totally new area, not an Adventist community at all. And they relocated there. Now they have to find a church. And that's the perfect time to get lost. Because nobody would know, except the parents who live far away. And so they can just disappear. In this case, they're seeking a church. And amazing to me, it looks like they're choosing a very feeble, if I can really say it honestly, a very small, feeble church. And I was there just um, a week or so ago. And... This is the way they do church in that little church. The elder stood up and he said, so do we have a a children's story today? I mean, that's the planning. So my daughter-in-law, she said, yes, I'll tell the story. And so she did. She wasn't planning on it, but she said after, she said, I knew if I did it, what it would be. If I left for somebody else, she said, (laughs) could be anything, right? So, But but unless we get them involved. So I told the elder afterwards, I said, now look, these are two young professionals. I said, if you ask them in advance, they can do anything this church might need. Now, of course, you don't want them, somebody said, give them too much. That can be a problem too. But if we ask these young people, if we ask, they're talented, they're skilled, they're educated. Most of our young people, I'm talking about past college age, so 22 on, even before, but 22 on, they're, they're professional people. They, they know a lot. I mean, obviously they don't have life experience that we old geezers have, but they have, they have knowledge, they have enthusiasm, they have energy, they have creativity. They have a lot of things to bring to our churches. Am I right? But we keep saying to them, it's your church. You are the church of the future. So wait, wait, we're doing this now. We're doing this now. In fact, this same son, it's David. He, uh, he says, you know, pastors don't retire now until they're 75 or 80. Even conference presidents and division presidents and so on, they don't retire. And so how do we, speaking of now this young generation, how do we get started? If If the old folks don't vacate the positions and give them an opportunity... How do we get started? Valid argument. Valid argument. So, let's continue. So the study, this may shock us, the studies show that only 5% of those who leave the church leave over doctrinal disagreements. Is that interesting? In other words, I would say our evangelism is very effective. In other words, we're teaching people, well, what the Bible says. We're giving them good information. They came in for good reasons. They came in understanding who we are as a Seventh-day Adventist church, and they believe those things, and they want to be part of that. So only 5% leave. Now, can we do much about that? those who leave over doctrinal disagreements? Maybe?
2: Yes.
0: Pray for them, yes. But we're a little challenged there, especially, come right in, especially most of us as lay people. We don't quite know how to meet those doctrinal disputes or debates, perhaps. So... What I'm trying to lead us to is that 95% of the people who are leaving or do leave the church leave for other reasons. Let's see what those reasons are. Maybe they're even easier to deal with. The largest portion from the studies, 28%, say they left because of what? Just drifted away. In other words, they missed one Sabbath maybe they went to the woods, went camping, they came back, nobody mentioned, you know, we missed you last Sabbath, you know, whatever. They came back, they missed another Sabbath for whatever reason, went off to visit grandma, came back, then they missed two Sabbaths, and little by little, it became easier to not come than to come. Maybe it's that little baby that Needs the nap in the morning. You know, they're little things. We're talking about the younger generation. And of course, there are the little things that we can do to kind of encourage them not to come back. But 28%, so almost one in three of those who leave the church simply just drift away. They didn't intend to leave. And they have no beef with the church. They're not unhappy with the church. They just lost it as a priority something that they must do. And perhaps it's partially because the church wasn't somehow, and of course there's a lot of differences in churches, so we can't be too specific there. Yes, sister? So the sister is saying that sometimes people feel like they weren't really persuaded. And in today's world, the younger generation, we need to understand this, all of us, they're being taught that that there isn't, truth and error there isn't right and wrong there isn't absolutes and that is a challenge for us but God's word will not return unto him void right he's promised that if we proclaim the word that people will respond to that proclamation it's a fact so let's look at some of the other uh, statistical reasons they found from the studies How about this one? One out of four left because they didn't feel compassion in the church. They didn't feel loved. But if we have Christ in our heart, then we can leave the door open for people to grow, right? You're going to hear that from Pastor Bradshaw later this week. What we need is Christ in our heart, and then no matter what the person looks like or how they behave, God will eventually deal with that. Can we be patient with Him and let God do His work? That's really what it comes down to. So can we be compassionate even when that person isn't meeting our standard? You follow what I mean? We all have our standard. This is what, this is what an Adventist looks like. This is what a Christian looks like, right? You have that. If I asked you, you could, every one of you, and you know what? The interesting thing is, there's 30 of us here maybe, we'd have 30 different descriptions of what an Adventist or a Christian looks like. Am I right? So how then am I ever going to meet your 30 different standards? So don't apply them to me. Right? Don't apply them to me. Let's apply that to us, because usually when we have that standard, it has something to do with us, right? Something to do with our experience, our need, our lack, our failure. You know, you think about that. There's a parallel there often. So apply that standard to us, to me personally, and let God deal with the rest of you. Of course, I'm going to if I'm a pastor, I'm an elder, or I'm a deacon, a deaconess, there might be times when I have to lovingly sit down with someone and have a conversation. But if it's done with love, I mean, obviously, they can make the other choice, but they're less likely to object or refuse to be counseled or encouraged or helped. Okay, I saw a hand or two, and then I walked over you. So, But a lot of people who leave the church are not new babies. If you evaluate your church. The biggest, I mean, one of the large challenges is, again, our young people, they grew up in the church. They know how to behave in the church. They know what the church expects of them, but they haven't perhaps made it their own for whatever reasons. And so, but are we willing to show them compassion? Are we willing to love them until they can get over whatever that is that is is a challenge for them. Technology. technology. Yes. Yes. And we're so, especially the younger generations, are so into the technology that it can keep us from being people to people, right? Yes. Maybe if we had more outreach type activities going on, yeah. we could direct some of their energies into yeah. that sure. and it's not compromising your church's standards as far as the leadership. Uh, So as we go along this week, we're going to try to answer some of these questions uh, as far as specifically how we can apply some of these things. But what I want us to see today is, number one, we have a challenge, don't we? I mean, I think we know that or you wouldn't have come here. But statistically, what we're seeing is the challenge probably isn't as big as we might have thought. In other words, if our churches could really become places where people are loved and where we find ways to express that, so somebody's missing, even if they're away for a legitimate reason, it doesn't hurt for them to get a call or a text message back to technology or an email or something saying, Hey, I noticed you weren't there. I trust you had a good Sabbath wherever you were, and we'll look forward to seeing you next Sabbath. And then, of course, that means you have to recognize the next Sabbath, whether they're there or not. But that doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt a thing. But somebody, that means me, has to take that responsibility to do that, to look after somebody. Now, of course, that means somebody has to look after me too, right? So it goes around. But the point is, we can be compassionate. We can notice when people aren't there and are missing but we often don't do it because like somebody said, we always think somebody else is. And then the Sabbath school or in the Hispanic community, they're using small groups as an accountability tool. We've gotten to where most of our, maybe that's a little too strong, many of our church members don't come, don't participate in Sabbath school. Myriads of reasons, Mm -hmm. but they don't. So the only time you regularly see them, even if they do participate, is on the Sabbath worship hour. And one church I pastored, we even reversed the services for other reasons, thinking, (laughs) my thinking as, just my thinking, uh, those who weren't coming to Sabbath school but were coming to church, I thought if we did church first, they'd come to church and stay for Sabbath school. What do you think happened? (laughs) Church. <laughs> How do you explain that? How do you explain that? But that's what happened. They still came to church at an earlier hour, but when church was over, they went home, even though they were already there. would have been very easy to stay. Uh, interact, cool? I mean, Different classes? and Yes, well, yes, absolutely. That's all Fairly large, large church. So, I'm not sure so much what this one is the moral failure. I don't think it's referring probably to the one who leaves, whether it's something they observed in the church or or witnessed that way. But some left because of moral failure. 18% said they didn't fit in. Now, that's one again where we could help, you know, find ways to sit with them. Maybe they just need someone to sit with them you know again we sit by whom we sit and we don't even think about this this lady who recently lost her husband who's sitting there alone first time in her life to be sitting alone nobody notices it i mean apparently and so there she sits and uh, so just little things like that they don't fit in and then fourteen felt there was too much of a focus on minor issues again can we deal with this we can really make Christ the center of our churches make the fellowship sweet
2: a the whole
0: batch. exactly mm-hmm. exactly and a little leaven can fix the whole batch too right and so if each one of us become a committee of one to make things better to try to notice these things be observant so, that that. so the question though is how do we deal with that in other words, is there something we can do to to help them to bridge the gap until they can deal with this problem, whatever it is? Uh, we all are sinners, right? I mean, theirs is a stinky smoking habit, but mine is is backbiting and gossiping about people. But I'm not disfellowshipped, and I'm not looked badly on because I do what I do. But we do look badly on them, right? Because of, of whatever. Yes, sister. They think we do at least. That's right. Wow, that's a person of prayer. Yes. Okay, let's move along here. So, what did you notice about each of these reasons people leave the church? Most of them, there are things we could do in our churches. And that's what we're going to talk about uh more this week. The lack of compassion we could help with, even the moral failure, we can visit these people, we can encourage them, we can Offer them to pray with them in God's forgiveness. You know, God forgives all of us for our failings, right? No matter what it is. We, we don't want to condone whatever the person is doing, of course. But we can still offer them God's forgiveness. Um, not fitting in, we can help them with that. We can be close to them, focus on minor issues. We talked about this, I think, that when people move, it's a high-risk time because it's an easy time to just disappear unless they make a specific choice. Marriage, of course, can be that if they marry someone in a different church, different place, different neighborhood. This is what often happens in our schools. Young people marry and they come from different places, and it's easy uh, for them to kind of slip away. Of course, divorce is another stressful life event, which is an obvious time, an easy time for people to slip away. We talked about that, death in the family is another one. Um, Unfortunately, we often do nothing. Um, It's very sad. Many people leave and they feel like, at least, they're not even noticed. No one reached out to them. No one called them. Whatever. So the good news is, most people who leave the church aren't hostile with the church. They're not unhappy with the church. They don't have any beef with the church. They just, they just slipped away and need, need uh, some, some compassion. A total of 58% that under certain circumstances they would be open to reconnecting with the church. Look at that. This is 6 out of 10 under certain circumstances. What does that mean? That means if somebody cared, right. if somebody would talk to them if somebody would pray with them, if somebody would let them know that there's hope for them, if somebody would let them know that they're missed, that they're welcome back, that whatever was said to them. I mean, as a pastor, I've had to apologize to people for things I never said. Someone else did. And you've got to try to patch that up and say they must not have meant what they said. They certainly wouldn't. But even if they did, I'm sorry that they said that to you because it wasn't right. Even if it was true, they shouldn't have said it to you. So I'm sorry. I apologize for that. You all can do that. But still we can apologize for the way they have understood it, right? We're not saying We're not saying that what they say was said was said. We're merely saying that they perceived that that message was communicated and we apologize. And their feelings were hurt. And their feeling Relationship. That's right. There's no harm in, in, in apologizing, even if it was a figment of their mind. It's okay. Not that we're putting the blame on someone else. No, we're not holding anyone. So let's look at this for a moment. Jesus has given the parable of the lost sheep for our study. The true shepherd leaves the ninety and nine and goes into the desert at any expense to himself. At what expense? Any expense. What are we willing to give to bring back one of these people who has wandered away? Continuing, how many of the wandering and lost sheep have you sought for? and brought back to the fold with a heart full of pitying tenderness, forgiveness, and love. I told you the story about the young man who hadn't been invited or noticed that he was missing for some 18, 20 years. The rest of the story, he started coming back to church. He met, eventually, a Bible worker and married her. And they have children now. And I'm not sure where they live here in Michigan. But the success story, just somebody reaching out and saying, you're missed, we'd love to have you back. We never know what the fruit of that will be. Sometimes it may take more than one visit, I can assure you. It may take a lot of effort, and that's okay. How much effort do we put into bringing in a new person? How much do we spend to do an evangelistic series and bring in three people or ten people or whatever? Why not invest a little bit in trying to reclaim some of these that have slipped away so 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 easily? <laughs> How many words of encouragement have you spoken to the wandering sheep that have cost you that have cost you pain, anxiety, and much inconvenience? Have you spoken soothing words of hope and courage and pardon? bearing the wanderer home on your shoulders, rejoicing at every step and saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents, right? One. Think about it. One. One. Last Sabbath they baptized nine at the Pennsylvania camp meeting. Nine. 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 Think of it. Nine. It's huge. What rejoicing heaven had. Hopefully nine churches were rejoicing over that. Nine people. I don't know how many will be baptized here. Probably more. Do we have that burning desire in our hearts to reach out to these kind of people? A story or two and I'll let you go. Jim used to be a member of a city church but had drifted away. New pastor decided he'd try to reach out to former members. He had 37 in his church. And I can assure you, your church has plenty of them. Any church clerks here? Yeah. So you know there's plenty of them, right? For every two attending, there's probably one. More or less. According to our statistics. 37 this pastor had. He decided he would try to visit them and encourage them back. Unfortunately, this particular person, Jim, was never home when the pastor came by. However, he did receive, the young man, person, did receive an invite to a church social function that the church secretary mailed out. Something prompted him to come, and he came. The pastor had a chance to connect with him. As the result, the pastor met Jim and his wife and started visiting them once a week. Not only did they both come back to church within about two years, Jim was serving as an elder and two years later became the head elder of the church. Former church member brought back. How much effort? I I don't want to say it was little effort, but it can be done. It can be done. And this is a true story, by the way. I can give you the church's name if you would like. Of the 37 former members, eight of them, What's that statistically? One in four. Eight of them came back to church as regular members and many more started attending on an occasional basis. It says that same year the pastor held an evangelistic series, good thing too, and two people joined the church. So eight were reclaimed, two from the evangelistic series. That means that four times as many people came from the reclamation ministry as came from the evangelistic outreach. Another pastor shared how he called every former member and asked them what suggestions they had. What was wrong with... I don't mean that. <laughs> what would they suggest that the church should, be, should do to be better? And what suggestions he could implement, he did. And when he did that, he would call them and say, you suggested we, and then he would invite them and say, we're going to do that. Why don't you come and see what we're, we're trying to do? And would you believe it? It worked. Um, one of the former members, for example, said they'd love to have more music at church. And so he got some music going and had some special music, and he invited that former member back, and they've been coming ever since. And she has become, I think it's a she, has become the coordinator of their special music for every Sabbath. How about that? Sometimes it doesn't take a lot. How do we close the back door? Firstly, what we're trying to say today is by noticing. By noticing that there is a back door and that we, you, I, we can do something about it. We can't leave it to the pastor, the Sabbath school superintendent, or the elder. We're going to have to each think about it. Who can I befriend who is no longer here that used to be here that I could reach out to? Um, or maybe we need to team up in our churches. We'll talk about some of these things going uh, through the week. And God will multiply our efforts. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you are trustworthy. Thank you that we can lean upon you and with our following of your instructions we can help to close the back door of our church father we are thinking of people right now who need to be back with us in fellowship they need the fellowship the encouragement we can offer them and we need the encouragement that they can bring to us so bring them back lord help us to find simple little often inexpensive ways to reach out show them that we love and care and invite them back